Hello and welcome to the Catherine Plano podcast. We have a new format of the show and it's broken up into four parts. Moments of All, where I share actionable tips, strategies and coaching models that you can implement in your daily life for massive improvements. Tips from my pen, where I share personal insights from my morning pages. The Paradigm Shift blogcast, where you can now listen to our monthly themed articles. And finally, Purposeful Conversations with our Radical Shift series, where we have honest chats with change instigators, compelling creators, and interesting humans who are breaking the cycle of convention and redefining success one mission at a time. So join us here every week for new lessons on how to lead a life that matters, how to escalate your life after failure, and how to inject more meaning, connection, and resilience into your life. Now let's jump into your weekly dose of practical goodness. week we have another amazing guest for you. We have the beautiful Dawn Collar. Dawn Collar was an award-winning entrepreneur in the computer industry when she was abruptly summoned to take a life-altering course. What followed was an extraordinary healing journey that gave her profound insights and a deep understanding of the human dynamic and how it plays out at home, work and in our communities. Combining these insights and her business experience, Dawn became a sought-after executive coach, helping leaders understand and enhance their impact on others and their contribution to the world. Her clients have included many of the most influential women in entertainment, as well as senior leaders at such companies as Sony Pictures, NBC Universal, Lionsgate, DreamWorks, Fox, Snapchat, Disney, and Amazon. Dawn is the author of three books, including her recent memoir, The Message, a prophetic journey she experienced 25 years ago and how it has become relevant today. She serves on the board of Step Up, a nonprofit organization to help mentor teen girls in low income areas, and is passionate about the importance of our individual role in supporting the human awakening. It's now time to listen to this inspirational human being. Enjoy. So, Dawn, welcome to the show. And the way that we love to start the show is we always love to ask our guests to start with their story. So what's your story? Tell us all about Dawn Kohler. <laughs> what's your story? That's an interesting one because there's so many in a lifetime, you know. Um, my story today as I stand is that I have three children and two grandkids. I am an executive coach predominantly in the entertainment industry. I work with uh, executive leaders at the studios in the network. And uh, I've recently written a book called The Messages, which is a memoir based on a story that happened in my 30s. So it has become a relevant story today. And I'm, I'm telling the story in the, in the book. I'm telling it to my 28-year-old daughter. And we are, I'm reflecting back on the story as it unfolded back then. 
Okay, that's excellent. So tell us a little bit about the book. Well, the book is really, uh, again, it's reflecting back on what happened in my early 30s. And at the time, I was running a computer company. I had started after college. And the company was doing quite well. We were in the right place, right time. It uh, was in the tech space. And we had, you know, promoted three tiers of management. And I was very pleased with my with the work. I enjoyed coming to work every day. I was running the company. And um, then one day I pulled up to the office and I couldn't get out of the car. I went to reach and pull the lever to get my door open. And I literally, my hand wouldn't move. I knew that I was physically okay. I knew that I was physically capable, but something arose inside of me and wouldn't allow me to get out of the car. So it was quite an internal battle. I wanted to get in, read the reports, talk to my managers, do what I've done every day for 10 years. And this force inside of me was just overpowering me saying no. So after about a 20 minute fight, uh, a message arose in my mind that felt like it was not of my own. It was inaudible and it just simply said, this is no longer your way. So fought a little bit longer because I'm stubborn, but then eventually the only direction was to turn around and to go home, which is what I did. So I went home and, uh, you know, just really sunk into a depression. Uh, and it took a couple of weeks, a week or two, until I started to wake up into more messages that began to lead me. And the first one was, uh, it was, it was interesting because my, uh, I had been to a doctor a couple of weeks back because my anxiety was rising quite high to see if there was anything medically wrong. And they said, no, there's nothing medically wrong, but for anxiety, you should go see this therapist which I wasn't interested in a therapist. I wadded up that note and threw it in the back of my car. My husband had dug it out when I was in bed for a week and said, you know, you might want to call her. And as soon as I, as soon as he showed me the card, it just sort of hit me like a neon sign. Okay, this is the next step. So the journey began and it was quite a tumultuous journey in that as much as I was led and, and keep in mind at the time I was very secular, still am, uh, didn't have any kind of religious upbringing. It was just this spiritual force that I felt was leading me. My husband could felt that he was leading me too. It was so obvious in the way that our house was working and, and the, the coincidences that were emerging. So I had to go through quite a healing process, but I was, I, I, I was humbled by how I was given everything I needed along the way and when I needed it. And it was very different and, and different circumstances that I could have never intellectually organized myself. So it was quite humbling and, um, and a long journey, three years in the making. Mm, interesting. I was curious about the messages because I, I know myself sometimes when you hear, you know how sometimes you hear a message come through and then you start almost, you know, having a debate with, is this really me or is right. this outside <laughs> of me? So how do you identify, like, how were you able to, obviously you were able to really channel that and, and, and lead with what you were receiving? Because I know a lot of people get confused. I don't know if it's my mind. I don't know if it's my heart. I don't know if it's, you know, external. Right. And it, that's the hardest thing. It's the discernment because it's like, where is this coming from? What I noticed the most about them was <clears throat> it wasn't something I would have told myself, uh, 
an example, I was went to see the therapist, kind of fought that process, said, okay, you've got, you know, three weeks and then I'm out. So we'll cover this all then and get on with it. But she was obviously saying, you know, it's probably going to take a little bit more time given the, um, the symptoms of depression and anxiety. But she did, however, once I revealed to her that I was also getting these messages, she said, well, you're, you're having a spiritual awakening, uh, which was not something that was familiar to me at all. And she said, you know, it's happening to more people and it often is accompanied by a rise in anxiety, uh, some sort of change of life pattern, be it a work or a relationship. And what you're describing, meaning to what she was telling me, that these messages, you feel a sense of being led. So I check all the box on those. That, that is ex- actually what was happening. To your question, though, as the messages continued, I, th- I think they were so... <clears throat> They often came in when I was waking or right before I'd go to bed, when I was thinking of something else or when my mind was just blank for a moment and they would pop in. And not only did they say something I wouldn't have said, they were most often foreshadowing. So one of the first messages I received was, it's time to know the truth about your father. And my story around my father was that, you know, he was very benevolent and, you know, was tough, but, you know, cared about me. And he was really my hero for many, many reasons that I held him at very high esteem. And it was just a week later that I was intimate with my husband. And then all the memories of being abused by my father started to come back. So that was one of those, I had no idea when the message came, it's time to know the truth. I'm like, I I even went to the therapist and said, I have no idea what this means. And she said, well, you know, wait to see if it reveals itself. And sure enough, it did. So that was an example of one. Another example of one was I became extremely close to the therapist. I mean, this was uh, really the first maternal bond that I ever had. I really took her as as a mother figure. She was very empathetic. Uh, I had pretty much shut down my emotions around pretty much everything, except for my children, I think. And she was showing me what it looked like when I would tell her something and and she would just wince like, oh, that must've felt awful. And I'd never really connected my experiences with my emotions before. So as a result of that, she and I really, I mean, I came to love her in a deep sense that I had never loved anyone before. Uh, So it was quite shocking one night, I was falling asleep and right as I was dozing off, I got the message, let her go. And it came three times, let her go. And I jumped out of bed and I told my husband, I said, I'm supposed to let her go. And I, it was at the peak of therapy. I was almost a year into it and I was very dependent on her. And um, sure enough, the week, the next session that I sat down with her, the first thing she said is I need to tell you something. And I just went, where are you going? So it, it was those kind of things where it was foreshadowing. It led and her leaving, which was so traumatic at the time really what became such a pivotal part of my healing because a lot of those childhood wounds or emotions that we carry around with us as adults, we don't necessarily have access to because they were so young and we stored them so quickly and they tend to crop up in our current relationships. So her leaving really ripped open the mother abandonment wound on me and gave me access to it. 
So it was a current situation that, you know, we often find ourselves in that we're having more than what would be a typical reaction to it. And those are the ones that are gifts in the sense that they give us access to something deep inside of us that is wishing to be released or wishing to be healed. So as horrible as that was, it became uh, a really important path that was given to me that I could walk down and, and start to really understand the depths of how I made sense of myself and the adults in charge of me and how I had deviated from my true nature as a result of it. Wow. It's so profound. I'm, I'm, Dawn, I'm sitting there going, this would be an amazing movie. <laughs> you know, one thing I have not ever heard of before, which is really uh, cool, what your therapist was saying that the increase of anxiety um, mm-hmm. is linked to a spiritual awakening and that's when the voices came through. Which that's really interesting. I didn't. I, I was not aware of that information because I went through something very similar, uh, and I called it the dark night of the soul. And so my way of dealing with what I was dealing with was just writing my journal, and I was doing my morning pages every single day. And I have to say that the information that comes through, I just mm-hmm. let it flow. But when I go back, and I, you know, I've picked up my my uh, diaries or journals that from years ago, I, it's, I just don't feel like it was me that wrote mm-hmm. that information but at the same time it helped me get through what I needed to get through so I never linked that I've never known that uh, and so that's interesting for our listeners uh, for those that have got an increase of anxiety that could be a sign that you are going through a spiritual awakening I've never heard that yes and the anxiety and depression also is linked to it and the reason why is because First, the anxiety can come in at different parts in the journey. The journey itself is an expansion of consciousness. It is, you know, we are blossoming and we're all blossoming right now. And that budding consciousness that's opening up our minds also creates a resistance against it. And that resistance against it creates anxiety. And the dark night of the soul is a great example because in the dark night of the soul, which can typically happen is it's a time of expansion. You're about to see something that you've never seen before. And while your mind is expanding to see that or to have that encounter with yourself or the divine, your ego, the other parts of you are really resisting against that. It it makes it dark because it is the proverbial fight between good and evil, which is an internal experience. And um, that's what makes that so difficult. So on your way to the dark night of the soul, Anxiety and depression can come in as a counterforce to the uh, awakening mind. It can also come in when we're going down a path that's too much of a deviation from our natural self. And when we get too far down that path, that chasm's too great. And we feel the self-abandonment and that self-abandonment creates both depression and anxiety as well. So the gifts, if you will, of depression and anxiety, I've had a ton of it, um, <laughs> is that if you can stay with it, if you can tolerate it, if you can learn from it and really come back to center to find out, you know, first of all, um, where have I deviated from self? Uh, What am I telling myself? And and where did I get these messages? Uh, Where's my mind trying to expand and how am I resisting it? Those are all good things to, to sit with, which is hard to sit with anything when you're very anxious or depressed. Uh, 
not to to say it couldn't be a chemical imbalance. It it always is a chemical imbalance. Um, but how you treat that chemical imbalance is is up to each individual to know their best way. Mm, I love the way that you describe it because I know that for me, um, I think it was back in 2012 when I first experienced anxiety. Of course, all you do is try to run away from it. You don't want to you don't want to sit with it. Uh, and I, I did, you know, obviously I was housebound for about 12 months, um, mm. but, and Googled, you know, what, what is, cause I had a panic attack in New York, which I'd never, didn't even know what that was. So for our listeners, never Google, uh, cause of course I did all my own research and, um, and one thing I did learn from a teacher, which helped me, uh, get through it was that the way that she explained, it's very similar to what you were saying that. Most of the time, if we experience anxiety, we're in the future too much. So it's, it's almost that separation you talk about. And if we are experiencing depression, because she said it's an experience, not who you are. When you experience depression is that you are stuck in the past. And so very much so um, is about practicing remaining in your center, uh, which is very similar to, to what you spoke about. It's, it's, it's like where, you know, the further away we move from our true self, because I, I think at the, right. at the end of the day, we're really here to experience life, right? And right. connect with our true self. Not right. like all these, you know, these ego parts of ourselves that we've identified with. Um, and I know even for me, Dawn, I've even had, uh, I'm in my 50s, and I've even had a, a, a bit of a etheric slap, shall we say, um, mm-hmm. realizing that I have been spiritual bypassing my whole entire life. Mm-hmm. Mm. so many of us do you know it's not something that we're trained to do in fact you know trusting yourself is not something we're trained to do we're trained to do the opposite trust the doctor trust the teacher trust the parent you know who's ever telling you you're smart or you're healthy or uh you know you're competent and and it's so it's a it's an external focus not an internal one the the it's interesting because i i appreciate the being present when you have history of of any kind of trauma, be it a big T or a small T, it's very hard to be present because linear time doesn't really exist in our inner landscape. Uh, So running kind of keeps us focused on the future and not what could come up in the present. If we sit in the present and, and I have had, uh, you know, (laughs) I I've had people in my life say, just stay connected and to stay connected in certain times is very painful because in connection what's coming up in the present, although it rooted in the past, what's coming up to be healed is very in the moment. And that's what so often we run from. Uh, The present, you know, seems like it's this benevolent space where all is good. Yet if we're running from things, the present is shows us what we're running from. We need to do that. Uh, I often will tell my clients tolerate the discomfort because it won't last and when you come to terms with what you've been running from, when you release things, when you see things differently, when you allow the process to heal you, when you partner with the process that's trying to partner with you, then you get to a place where presence is a beautiful, peaceful experience. But initially, it's not that for a lot of folks. That, that is true. And I think it's, it's, I think it's also... Uh, I know when you were talking about your your you separating you from your emotions, I I think that I connected with that uh, because it was easy for me not to feel the emotions, and so I repress them and repress them and repress them and got on with my day, you know. Or <laughs> this is the 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 other thing. Or what I used to say, Dawn, is 
My soul chose this life and chose this experience. So suck it up, princess, get through it. You signed up for this contract. You signed up for this life. So just get on with it. And so what I was, and this is where the spiritual bypassing, I wasn't dealing with my emotions. And so it wasn't until I actually looked into my timeline, because it's it's true when you, when you said you sit with the present moment, um, it doesn't matter when these things, you know, small trauma or big trauma happened. They, if you don't, if you don't embrace them and integrate them, they will mm-hmm. always, uh, you'll always be projecting them onto either your partner or other people or your events or surroundings, whatever that may be. So how do you connect with your emotions? Cause I know for me, I said, I was interviewing this gentleman, uh, the other day, he, the way that he described it is, um, I my way was if you can name it, you can tame it. So you pull it out of your unconscious or subconscious mind and consciously then you can work with it. And he said, no, that creates separation. You need to experience it. So what's your trick, Dawn? So what's my uh, uh, dealing with emotions? Yeah, like how do you how do you integrate, connect? Because you said that you, what you learned from your therapist is that you were, at, at, were able to connect with your emotions, that you were separate from them once upon a time that you were able to connect them and experience them. So what specifically did you do to integrate and feel those emotions? I stopped judging them because um, prior to that, I was judging them irrational. Uh, and uh, when you're an analytical person, I'm a you know business major. I didn't have the background for this and I'm having deep feelings that don't seem appropriate for the circumstance. I'm judging them and trying very hard to dismiss them. And uh, the first thing I had to do was to stop judging them and allow them and find compassion for them. If I feel this intensely about something, there is a reason. And I might not know what the reason is, uh, but I can sit with them until uh, a deeper sense of understanding emerges. And that's the hard part because a lot of times these emotions, especially if they are coming from past or a trauma that, you know, we might've dissociated from, they don't come in the context of the experience. I remember I was, you know, 35 years old. I had three, three young children. I was married. I had the company. And as I started going through this, I felt intensely like I was an orphan in a prison camp. And I kept saying to my husband and to my therapist, I said, I am swallowed in this feeling of feeling like an orphan in a prison camp. And this does not, there's no, this doesn't fit with my life. It doesn't fit with where my life is today or where I've ever felt I've been in the past. So I really didn't have any context for that feeling. But as I sat with it, because I really didn't have much choice, it it had, it was seeping through every cell in my body, this feeling, then came the messages, you know, to know the truth about my father. And then I later recalled the experiences of my youth and the feeling came first the context of what that feeling was about was later so you know i was abused by him he had put me in a molestation ring with some other men my mother you know denied all this was happening so in that context at five you feel like a orphan in a prison camp uh so you know those feelings finally because i accepted them and i tolerated them and i let the rest of the the experiences unfold, it could then all go into context, but that would have never happened. Had I not, had I just tried to shut that down, I was fortunate in that I couldn't keep going. My survival strategies of hyperachieving, 
when the, as soon as I couldn't get out of my car and continue the path of hyperachieving, I had to go do the work. Um, my my spirit wouldn't allow me to keep going on that path. So I, I really consider myself fortunate because I had it hit so hard. Uh, I didn't I didn't feel I had a choice. I didn't have a choice anymore. I phys- physically couldn't go on the way I was going on. So, wow, that's amazing. And so from my understanding, what you're saying is practicing non-judgment because judgment creates a separation in the first place. And then by being non-resisting and just allowing it, this is how these old memories that you've forgotten about that were repressed has come right. about. Is that right? Right, correct. Because as soon as we don't judge them and as soon as we're like, okay, it's not in context, but that's okay. Let's just sit with them. Let's draw them. Let's write about it. Let's live with this for a little bit. Then it all emerges you know, we don't just feed ourselves emotions that don't make sense. They're coming from something somewhere. We just might not have all the pieces to that puzzle yet. And we don't want to create them either. We don't want to say, oh, I have this feeling and then create a story. Um, what we want to do is just sit with them until the, the, the reason why you feel that way will emerge, but it needs to emerge. It doesn't need to be created. It was already created. Uh, we don't need a story on top of it. We just need to sit with it and trust yourself and trust the process that it will, uh, you know, it's, it's trying to heal you, allow it to heal you, allow these experiences, your own inner soul is always trying to get us back. It's trying to call us home. It's trying to, to heal us from the chasm that, that lies between who we really are and who we're trying to be but we have to stop trying to be who we're trying to be in order for us to, to reunite or attune with that part of self. And I think all of us uh, can, can quite easily fall into that where, um, you know, it, I always think to myself now, is that my ego wanting this or is it really my soul wanting this? And I've never asked those kind of questions, but it makes me realize that uh, we all tend to have this external focus, whether it's, you know, to be validated, to connect, to be loved, whatever the, those stories are for mm-hmm. each and one of us. But I think also that um, by being external, once again, we're creating that separation and turning within is not always an easy thing to do. Like I'm practicing at the moment. I realize how external I am a lot of the times. What are your it's thoughts? Very it's very difficult because it's not, culturally how we are told to think or act it's it's all very external based on external validation and when we turn inside and we still have the need for validation it's really it can be difficult to believe that there's going to be any validation inside that would ever give us the satisfaction that we think we're going to get outside so it's a real paradox because the outside's actually never going to give us what we really need but when you turn inside, that's the primary fear that drives us is if I'm disconnected outside, if I'm not on my Facebook page every day looking for likes, how am I ever going to get that feeling just by being inside of me? And it, it really takes developing a strong relationship with ourself and our soul in order to get to a place where you recognize we are inherently good. We are inherently beautiful. We do not need the validation of anybody else. We just are. And when you get that internally and you sit with that and you allow yourself to embody that true light of your own being, then we're in the world giving, not in the world giving to get. 
it is, uh, it's a 180 from where most of us exist. Mm, I, I love that. And, you know, for me, I think that uh, even though it is difficult, my way of practicing it is to drop, just drop into my heart. Because I, I, when I do the internal work, the stories start. You know, it's 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 like my stories, my ego, like all these old stories, these old <clears throat> narratives that no longer serve me, they keep coming up. Right. And so right. I just, you know, being a visual person and, and and quite kinesthetic in style as well, I have to place, you know, just drop into my heart and and work mm-hmm. from there. Like you said, you know, it's you we come from a place of love, truth, brilliance. Right. Right. How do you do it, Dawn? Well, before I answer that question, I want to comment on yours. it's a bit like an unruly committee in our minds. You know, we've got all these different voices with all these different agendas. And what you're sharing is that when you're hearing all those voices and all those agendas, you drop into your heart. And so you find your leader there. We have to find our benevolent, compassionate, connected leader. We want that to govern all these other voices in our mind. If not, it's total anarchy. And anarchy in your, in your mind and your body is difficult because of course you want to run and you don't even know which direction because nobody inside of you can agree. Uh, so by finding that, that leader internally that is leading you to your highest best self, that is leading you through your healing, that is the voice of comfort. It, it's never going to be a voice of judgment against you or against anybody else. And when you find that internal voice, that's the one you want to lead. And you're finding it in your heart. Yeah. And I think, you know, in that uh, for me, I had had, uh, still working with it, a strong inner critic. And, Mm. you know, and that that goes back to judgment. So, you know, for me at the moment, there's three things I'm practicing, non-judgment, non-attachment and non-resistance. Boy, that's a big task at hand. I I actually think that, that, and this is what really brought to light this inner critic and the imposter syndrome um, that keeps cropping its head up, which we all experience. It is part of being human. It is part of being human. You know, I equate it to a belly button. Uh, We all feel cast out. We all have that uh, essential wound of being, you know, expelled from the great mother and we're in the world and then they cut the umbilical cord and we've got to, you know, find ourselves. And depending on, what your experiences with life is that belly button of I'm in an inadequate, I've been cast out is either more tender and larger because perhaps once we were cast out, we were then abused or abandoned. And, and that creates more of that wound of, of I'm not good enough, which is at the heart of the imposter syndrome. Um, or, you know, if we were blessed with good nurturing parenting and, and people that really reflected our goodness and that didn't judge us, but supported us in such a way uh, then, of course, we just have a nice belly button. It doesn't really hurt when you bump up against it. Uh, but few of us have that experience, not to blame any parenting because everybody's everybody's wounded, you know, and it's hard to wounded people, you know, are parenting children that are also becoming wounded as a result of it. It's just how we're evolving. And I do think that we're starting to reverse that evolution in uh, more modern generations And I think it will continue and it needs to continue because we've just gotten too far away from the essence of who we are as humans, uh, that the spirit of the human, we're just too far away from it. We need to get back to it. We won't survive this way. We don't, the trajectory we're on right now is, is not one that we can survive. We've got to make the shift. 
So when you were saying the tra tra trajectory, oh, I can't even say it, um, that we are on now, because I have heard a lot of um, uh, different teachers speak about the evolution is taking place from a consciousness point of view yeah so what we're tapping into now is a lot sort of a higher vibrational frequency than ever before is that what you're speaking of dawn yes because <clears throat> these messages where they led me through my healing and they led to such intense um not only healing but healing of the heart healing of the body uh it did finally did lead to a what i experienced as a divine encounter and in that I was one of part of the messages going along this journey was to write the book. And when I hit that encounter, I went, it was three nights where I was given messages with a capital M where they weren't for me, they felt very universal. And the first night was that this evolution of our consciousness has begun. And again, keep in mind, I, at the whole time, I'm like, why me? I'm a mom. I'm a businesswoman. I have no religious <laughs> beliefs, you know, call somebody else because I did know as, as this was going along, it was very clear to me that it was a spiritual calling. So that first night in that true spiritual calling, when I finally got back to myself and this was revealed, um, it was that it was the beginning of a new consciousness. The second night was very much about judgment uh, that people will, uh, that there will be a leader that comes from a place of judgment, not to follow that person. We had heard that before, obviously. Um, but again, I'd never subscribed to it. So that was surprising to me, but it then had, uh, the third night was a very apocalyptic scene, if you will. And it was absolutely terrifying. And it showed me that's current trajectory for humanity. And then as soon as, you know, I saw the scene, I suffered deeply from the scene. It was awful. But then the voice came in as powerful as it had ever. And it said, this is not necessary. It was a very positive message that this can change, that we do have time to heal ourselves, to breed strong, healthy children that can handle this transition as we expand further, uh, that there was time to, to breed the strong, to breed the healthy. There was time to avoid that kind of uh, terrible, disastrous ending. Uh, we don't need to go there we have time for a gentle change. And I think that was, you know, the whole point of why this started for me in the first place. Um, because I think through my story, it reveals that we all have this source of healing and we are truly given what we need to heal. And if we work with it and partner with it and make the choices on behalf of our goodness and not our fears, we will make it all the way back. And when you are back, you do have a profound experience of love and awareness that we are all connected. And when you get into the awareness of we're all connected, the love is so immense. It just, everything's just fine. Every, all these worries, every, all the wars, everything we're seeing right now, it's really just fine, but you have, we're going to have to evolve to that place. And hopefully we can get there by taking own our personal responsibility for our own healing. So a lot of what we see reflected in the world can start to subside. Mm, I love that the way you describe that. And I think also, you know, there's a lot of astrologists and different people out there. They talk about the evolution and the, 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 uh, the rise of the consciousness. Uh, and, and also they talk about this big event. And mm -hmm. I, you know, from my morning pages, the event is we are the event. 
it, it, it's, we it's are us. the event. We are the event. Yeah, we are the event. There will be a point in time where we all come into the awareness of the when, when there's a collective awareness that we are all one. And that's where we're heading. We're heading to that moment where where as a species, we awaken all of us. And I think that hits if we look at historically when 51 percent of the people are close to that consciousness, all of us are going to go over. Uh, so that to me is the second coming, if you will, that to me is, uh, the next evolution of our species. It's just, we have, we have some, uh, choice over how turbulent it gets before we reach that point. Uh, and again, I, I think we can never underestimate our own personal contribution to this. The more we are willing to sit with ourselves and to do the work, our individual trajectory affects the global trajectory. Mm, so true. And, you know, it could be as simple for our listeners. It could be as simple as when you catch yourself ju- judging others, just Absolutely. know that you are judging yourself. It's simple You're as judging something yourself. is simple. Yes. You're adding to the chaos every time you judge others. Every time you judge yourself, you're adding to the chaos. If we just stop the judgments, whether it's our, you know, if we are acting on behalf of our goodness and not our fears, if we can stay there and if we can tolerate the discomfort of releasing repressed fears and anger and resentment uh, and truce, if we can tolerate the discomfort so that we can get to deeper truths about ourselves, if everybody really knew the truth about ourselves, we would live in peace, all of us. We would eradicate most diseases. We would eliminate war forever. There would be no abuse. Uh, but that's a tall order. And where it sounds idyllic, it is where we're going. It's mm-hmm. just, you know, we could get there more peacefully if we did it more consciously. Mm, I agree. Absolutely. I just want to uh, go back on one thing that you spoke about. And I love the way that you normalize that we all have wounds and we all have, I think that it's really important to normalize these things because I think a lot of, um, I know a lot of even some of my friends, I look at people on Instagram and, you know, and I go, they're happy they're you know, but it's, we've all got wounds. We all, we all judge. We all, it's really important to normalize it so that people go, there's nothing wrong with me. Right. I'm not broken. Oh, absolutely. I had a uh, absolutely darling 26 year old uh, girl in uh, one of my workshops and she came in and she just broke down crying in front of the group. And I asked her, I said, do you, you know, would you like to share? She said, I'm nothing like my Facebook page. (laughs) Her Facebook page and her Instagram were just these glowing. I'm so happy. I'm so all together. And, you know, at night she was contemplating suicide. So, you know, her mother actually had had seen a workshop and set, sent her to it. And that's the first thing she said. She goes, I'm that's how detached she was from herself. She was putting up a profile that was so far uh, away from how she actually was and how she actually felt in the moment that that created additional separation. And and I think there's a lot of people doing that. Either they're creating a pretense in social media that isn't really in alignment with how they're feeling. And so it's making them feel worse. The depression's getting deeper, the anxiety's getting higher, or they're comparing it and or they're comparing it to all the other people that have happy pretenses out there. We just don't really know what's going on in people's lives. Uh, We never really do. And it's unfortunate that we're not uh, sharing more about the true experience. I think we're starting to get there. But even as a society, we don't really have a tolerance for depression or anxiety or unhappiness. Uh, 
you know, we're all striving for the happy culture and it's just one half of being human. There's this whole other part of us. It's like playing a piano. There are other notes inside of us and, and, you know, sad notes, scared notes, all of that is, is all part of it. And the more we can accept all these aspects of self and sit with it and choose consciously how we want to respond to it. That's really where I think we need to continue to start heading. But then that's really, I think that's us repressing out what we're truly feeling or experiencing, right? So this is like we, we, we build this persona uh, in the hope that we these, these feelings that we're experiencing will disappear. Right. Yeah. Well, and we so want to be happy because, of course, who doesn't? Uh, yet I think that happiness can be overrated. I think what we really want to strive for is meaning, truth. Um, the kind of joy that comes from being present and, and connected, those are more of what I think are worth working towards, if you will, or allowing to emerge inside of us than striving to be quote unquote happy based on a cultural norm that the cultural norm itself is so askewed that it's again, kind of perpetuating this sense of depression and, and malaise that so many people are experiencing these days. So true. And I love the way that you uh, describe that. I, I love your analogies too, by the way, the way you talk, even like from belly button to it's, it's, I'm a visual person. So every time you talk about a specific analogy, I, I'm like, that's amazing. Um, I think that also it's uh, what you speak about is meaning has got so much more depth, hasn't it? Than being yeah. happy. Happy is almost surface. Right. And meaning and depth come from feeling. Yeah. And that's where the rich soil lies when we can go into uh, kind of our own swamplands and our own inner landscape and travel some of these areas where there's really rich soil. But in rich soil or to even get the soil to become rich, it's, it's through our tears. It's through feeling that heartache and it's through understanding why it hurts so much. Um, it's releasing what we think we want or need and feeling the grief of releasing it so that we can drop even further into an experience of love or joy or, um, or direction of where we can best serve our humanity. Mm, Beautifully said. Thank you. So Dawn, as we start wrapping up the show, we always love to ask our guests to leave three shiny golden nuggets for our listeners. So what would be three shiny golden nuggets or hot tips that you would like to leave for our listeners today? Well, I would say that the first one would be what you had alluded to, which is um, morning pages. I think morning pages is a great way to get connected. And uh, that stream of consciousness writing is, is really significant. It lets us know that we're listening and we need to stop and listen to ourselves. And that, that is a, a, a great way to do it. Uh, the other second one I would say is we've just got to stop the judgments, you know, stop judging yourself, just start there. And when you hear yourself judging others, you know, is that necessary? Is it helpful? Is, is there anything good that can come out of that? Uh, even when somebody does something horrific that of course is ethically wrong, I think the way we judge it can be that is a very wounded person acting out and perhaps they need to be removed from society and be placed in jail, but we don't need to, um, we don't need to, to 
I think that the way that we judge people is just too harsh. And we, from, from a collective mind standpoint, we hear those judgments, even if they're never voiced, we hear them. So I, I would say, uh, stop the judgments, get connected to yourself. <clears throat> and the last thing I would say is you really want to partner with life to attune with who you really are because we're all human resources and we need everybody's individual contribution right now. We have anesthetized ourselves away from contribution. We've judged ourselves away from full contribution. We've done so many things that have shrunk who we really are. And we need to start moving through that by partnering with this internal source that we all have so that we can bring more of who we really are forward for ourselves, for our families, for our community, for our humanity. That's what is going to change the trajectory of our this evolution that we've begun. Thank you so much. Amazing three shiny golden nuggets. One question I just popped up for me. Uh, when you speak about the messages, mm-hmm. uh, as you've allowed them to come through, are they stronger now and much more louder and more often? No. Uh because, and I, I can only tell you that period of time, that three-year period of time that led up to the big universal messages was truly a awakening and a, a calling. What's often true on these is after you get to the other side of them, you don't hear anything. <laughs> it just, you don't, you know, it's not like I'm constantly hearing messages. I mean, well, no, my, my last message during that time came, frame was, um, you know, I, I had finished the book and then it was raise your children, focus on your children. And I knew, okay, I, this isn't in my time. Uh, I focused on raising the kids, uh, and getting them through college and they're off and off the payroll and doing them fine. And it wasn't really until COVID that it started to come back to me. I knew the calling wasn't complete. I knew that it was unfinished business that I needed to adhere to. And that's when I came back and I thought, okay, I need to tell, I'm 60 now. So I need to tell the story that happened to me at 33 from my 60 year old self to my daughter. And I think in doing so, it helped me. It just validated how profound and how true it was at the time. And also I can see now in context of time, how, what happened to me is starting to happen to more and more people. And hopefully it will give a roadmap for people that are suffering from anxiety or depression or a sense that they're being called. Uh, kind of just look at it from not only my experience, but the stages, the stages that I went through are, are very typical uh, stages of that type of awakening journey uh, and reassurance that we really do get what we need it was so amazing. I bowed down to the powers of the universe because we, I really did get what I needed. It was just miraculous. Oh, got goosebumps. Thank you. Thank you. So Dawn, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show, sharing your wealth of wisdom. For our listeners, we'll have all the links uh, in the show notes. Thank you so much for your time, your energy and your love. It's just beautiful the way that you described with him so well. Um, so, oh, it's, it's just I can't even find a word to say eloquent. There we go. So eloquent. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, I appreciate the work you're doing. And um, I 
hope our paths cross again because this is great work. It really is. Great. Thank you so very much. Thanks a lot. All right. Thank you so very much for listening to today's episode. If you loved what you heard and this topic really resonated with you and you think it will help others, please click on share show with your friends to help make a difference. And if you want to be part of our mission to help empower the conscious people of this world to learn and grow, then the best way to get involved is to click on follow show or leave a review on iTunes so that we can give you a shout out on the show. If you have been a long time listener of the show, you know we are big on delivering content that is valuable for you. Content that will address your pain points. So if you have any questions or ideas for a podcast show, please reach out and we will create the content to meet your needs. Yes, you heard right. If you have topics, themes or special guests that you want to hear from, please send us a note to support at katherineplano.com.au and we will create a show especially for you. Wherever you are in the world, sending you love, blessings and peace. Namaste.